Okay, uh, welcome to the podcast. Um, person first language. This is primarily for first years on social care, but can be used by any any particular student within the Open Training College because it is a a skill, attitude, knowledge that we want people to leave the college with, which is uh, the ability to use person first language, which we see as a core attribute of anybody who's going to empower any particular group who are are, are deemed vulnerable or whatever. So um, I'm here with Neve, Neve McAvoy, uh, another member, the other member of the e-learning team, and also a second-year tutor and also involved in the course design with uh, Nolan Fox and Tracy Warner in social care. So we're going to talk about person-first language, um, an appropriate language, I think, would be a good way to call it. So have you, you anything to, to start with, Neve? So I suppose one of the main questions that students would ask us is, what do we mean by person-first language? So what are we yeah. talking about? When we ask a student to talk in person or to write in person-first language, what are we asking them to do? Okay, that's a good point. Uh, what is person-first language? Person-first language is language that puts the person before the disability when you're talking about it or writing about it or whatever. So, for example, you might have had in the past somebody, a person who has Down syndrome, and in the past they may have been called Downs. Or you may have somebody saying, she's learning disabled instead of she has a learning disability. Now, some people might say, what's the difference? What's the difference? The difference is that... In relation to person first language is we're, we're making the key statement that the disability isn't the whole person. So if you're talking about a Downs person, which is wrong, you're basically saying that the person, everything to do with the person has got to do with their Down syndrome. And that's blatantly incorrect because people with a disability have a variety of other elements and factors in relation to their own person and their personality and their being and their community. And it's got nothing to do with the disability. So therefore, it is important. And this concept has been developed and driven by disability rights groups that you put the person before the disability. Yeah, would that be fair to say, Neve? Yeah, it would be. So what you're essentially saying, if you're, if you're using, to, to use your example of yeah. he's downs, you're saying he is Downs, yeah. rather than he has Down syndrome, which is saying yeah. that he has the condition, but it's just one aspect of the person rather than being the whole person. Yeah, rather than being a master sign, I think it's used in one of the modules. So therefore, it is, it's it's an element of the person, but it's not the whole person. You know, other examples in relation to person first language is, well, what do we call our kids <laughs> in relation to it? Normal or healthy kids, and it's. Really, no. Like, it's it's kids, you know, kids without disabilities is, is what's stated as person-first language. Again, it's not saying that the disability is all. So you have a disabled child and a normal child. Like, everybody, like, everybody is normal. And what is normal? And that's your classic cliche. I'd be doing rabbit's ears if you're actually looking at me at the minute. But it's really, what we're saying here is every kid is a typical kid, you know. Or she has a problem with is again not person first language it is you identify what the person needs or what the person uses so she has a problem with for example she has a problem with communication you'd be far better to say she uses a light writer 
for example. So what you're focusing in now is on the more positive side of the person rather than the negative side, yeah? Yeah, so focusing in on the person's ability and what they can do rather than honing in on the the disability. You're not ignoring the impairment or the disability that the person has um, by using person-first language. You can acknowledge it, but it's not the most important thing about the person. Yeah, because it is. like We we used to ask first years, maybe we still do in one of the modules, which is ask a person who's a service user what they want to be called by. And what do they inevitably want to be called by? Their name. It's unbelievable. So therefore, it's like any of us. People don't tend to divide groups of people who have a voice into these particular categories or use non-person first language. So use of it is absolutely essential in all interactions, whether it be verbal or whether it be written. Yeah. Yeah. You're giving us a good insight there, Raymond, and how we actually do it, how, how we can ensure person first language. But maybe we should look at why is it so important? It's important because it sets the tone. It sets the tone in the relationship with the person. Now, we have had a debate with a variety of other people in the college in relation to the the use of person-first language and what disability groups like to be called. For example, you have the deaf community. And that obviously doesn't fall within the person-first language. But it's, it's them stating that this, this is what we want to be known as. And that is their right. That is their right as, as a group to say, no, we're actually comfortable with the use of the word deaf in that particular uh, scenario. But in relation to why it's important for us as social care workers, which is primarily what we're talking about here, is as social care workers, one of your primary roles is to empower and support people, vulnerable groups of people within, within general society. To empower somebody, you need to focus on the positive and you need to ensure that it is person first, that the disability isn't all. Let's move away from he is Downs to he is a person with Down syndrome or even better, just Johnny, you know. So therefore, let's empower the person. That's why it's important. And that's the reason the college takes it so seriously is because we see it as a key attribute of a good social care worker is the fact that they can use appropriate language about the groups they're actually supporting. And maybe, you know, it's good to even ask the people you're supporting, you know, are you are you okay with the terminology we use? And I know we're kind of moving away from the person first language bit here, but are people actually happy being called patients, service users, service recipients? Like these are all key things we need to ask and, and have we even actually asked the person? You know, so it's important. Going back to your question, even I probably deviated from it, but it's important because it's all part of the empowerment. Yeah. Yep. So, in relation to our social studies disability students, um, why is it so important for for this particular group to get it right? Because if you don't get it right, nobody else will. Is effectively <laughs> it. You are key advocates for the people you are supporting. You are now again. You can debate about line workers are the the ideal candidate for advocacy and we're looking more at external advocates etc but your role will does have an element of advocacy about it and uh, as a key worker or whatever and therefore it's absolutely essential that you're actually modeling the appropriate language for the people we support because if you're not modeling it nobody else will 
And it's also, it's about the way you think about a person. If you think about a person as disabled or handicapped, like, you know, for example, if, if you're writing that down, that's why you're thinking of the person. And what we're asking you in this course is, no, everybody's a person and everybody deserves the right to define their own vision of a desirable future and define the life they want to live. And uh, they're only going to do that if they're empowered. And you, they won't be empowered if the person supporting them is using language like disabled, handicapped, etc. Like, interestingly, last week there was a debate on um, off the ball on News Talk, right? News Talk, and it's interesting. Kevin, Kevin Kilbane, who was um, a player for the Republic of Ireland team, was on it. And he'd heard the two boxers who had a fight at the weekend, which was Hayes and Bellew were having one of those awful press conferences they have before UFC or boxing. And they were um, shouting each other out. But what Hayes was saying was that Bellew's supporters were a group of retarded individuals. Now, Kevin Kilbane was really vehement that this was not the correct language. And interestingly, and I didn't know this before I listened to the programme, is Kevin Kilbane has a daughter who has Down syndrome. So therefore, he was saying that David Hay, who got beat, let's not talk about fate, but he was saying that person-first language and indeed appropriate empowering language is key because if we revert back to old terms, and the terms we that he was talking about retarded, obviously that's gone, but it's interesting, that's not gone in the States. And indeed, if you look at the language now, disabled, handicapped, those are all, that's all language that carries a lot of stigma. So... What we're really saying to yourself as social care workers, going back to Neve's key question, is you need to be the person empowering and not to use language that is either deemed now or in the future to be disempowering. And that's really a key part of your role, yeah? Yeah, um, those of you that work with people with disabilities, which would be our social studies students, you're essentially your role models in how to treat people with disabilities and the general public who may have little or no experience with people with disabilities and indeed with person mm. first language, they're going to follow your lead. So if yeah. you're being negative, then they're going to be negative. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and I suppose it's key, going back to your question, how, whenever you're communicating, it's um, as your role as a social care worker, and again, you're modelling this. So say, for example, you're representing Johnny in the local uh, VEC, and Johnny wants to do a course on cooking, for example, and you're the person supporting Johnny there. If, you're, if you use... A language that doesn't empower then that's not going to help Johnny's case what you need is to promote the positives for Johnny and so the key thing there's three key things whenever you're communicating the first thing is to whenever you're communicating with the person with disabilities or about a person is you recognize that the person has skills and talents just as anybody else that's the first rule second rule is you assume that people with intellectual disabilities are legally competent you do not make that assumption based on the fact that they may have intellectual disabilities. It is actually, they, you know, they are legally competent unless otherwise. And if unless the otherwise, then it's up to you to find out a way to empower them to become more legally competent. And the third rule is they are, for the people, a lot of people now, some people work with children and their children, but a lot of our students work with adults. And, um, <coughs> excuse me, but whenever you're talking about an adult, it is to assume their life experiences are similar to other adults. So you're not assuming 
because this person has an intellectual disability, they've probably lived with mommy for 50 years, you know, they wouldn't know the inside of a shop and uh, now they happen to be in residential care. No, we make the assumption that their life experiences are similar to other adults and their life wants and their life visions and we speak with them from that perspective. So not only is it person first language, it's those three rules. One, assume they have skills and talents. Two, assume they're legally competent. And if not, we provide a, a strategy to make them more legally competent. And three is that adults who have intellectual disabilities are adults like us. And the same then for children, that their children like other children, they also have skills, they have potential mm. to learn, they have the ability to learn. They like to play the same as a child without disabilities would. But I suppose to say, if you're coming from a positive place and a, a good value base is really important in terms of person-first language and in terms of how you do your job, are you caring or are you supporting? So are you there to care for the person and do everything for them? Yeah. Or are you there to support the person to live a better quality of life? So those are key things to consider. Um, one last question, Raymond, is the use of the phrase disabled people. That's yeah. one that's been under a lot of scrutiny in recent times. So what would you advise students in relation to the use of this phrase? That's interesting. There's a bit of debate on this within the college and, and outside the college is disabled people. To be honest, I, I think when I, I, I personally would move away from that. I think it's persons with disability or individual or whatever. And then we use the three rules that we've just discussed rather than disabled person. But in saying that, people have supported people with disabilities and they have said that disabled people fine because that's who they are and indeed that goes back to my bit about the deaf community yes that's who they are they have a right to use that terminology but in relation to our students i think our students need to work on the premise that person first language is key and it's actually a key learning outcome in relation to social care when you actually look at the qqi standard set for social care is the use of appropriate language and that's what the college means and secondly is to abide by not only person-first language, but your language is empowering by using the three rules of identified. Yeah, so if, yeah. if you're using positive language and you're coming from a good value base and it's, it's a, a positive overview of the person is the most important thing. But like yourself, mm -hmm. Raymond, I would steer away from the use of the phrase disabled people as well. It wouldn't be a, a personal favourite yeah. of mine. Like indeed, like you know, and the big debate against person first language is oh, it's political correctness gone mad. You know, it's about political correctness. But the key thing is, you think about anything in life. You the way what you talk about or the way you talk about that thing in life is determined by your value bases, Neve quite rightly identified and also the way you interact with that person or with that thing or whatever that association or club or body but the key thing is that it is it, it is your language determines your relationship with it so therefore in relation to people it's important if you're going to be a social care worker to be empowering and the best way to demonstrate that the key way, or the more fundamental way, because everything else is based on it, is by positive language. So therefore, we don't want to go down that route of you know, political correctness gone mad. Because we've seen the key advocate of that message at the minute is, is the President of the United States, Donald Trump. And we've seen the way he dealt with the reporter who had a disability last year, and the way he imitated him. And this is the guy saying political correctness has gone mad. No. What we want our social care students and eventually workers to do is to have the ability to talk about the people they're supporting and talk to them in a way that's going to empower them yeah 
So that's really it. So again, uh, um, leaving this podcast, thank you very much, Neve. Thank you, Raymond. And um, I'd just like to say that, um, indeed, when you're going out there, uh, be excellent and be human. Thank you very much. <laughs>